Mac Gear here for the Geek Pride Cast on this Monday evening. With me tonight, we have my co-host and chatterbox, Peter Allison. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> and our special guest tonight, Nigel Matthews. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, hi, everybody. Right. So, Nigel, what are you? What do you do? What's your thing? Tell us about yourself. So, no, I've listened to your podcast, and it's, I, I love that introduction. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's so it's so like every podcast is, is the same introduction, and, like, <laughs> and it's great. I love it. Um, so, uh, well, people mostly probably know me as I am the CEO of of, um, of Games Quest. Love or hate us, most people love us. Um, some people hate us. Um, we are probably one of the leading um, um, crowdfunding uh, crowdfunding fulfillment. Um, uh, partners um, um, uh, in Europe um, right now, I would say, um, and um, <coughs> my other sits, which is one of the and my little side project that I'm doing um, is I'm also co-founder of a company called Mystery and Adventure Games, and we are launching our very own uh, first um, crowdfunding um, uh, uh, project for the first time, um, which is all to do about role play um, as a as a thing as well. So I'm, I'm coming over to the other side of the fence. I Ooh. preach, I preach the gospel to lots of publishers about what they need to go to be successful on crowdfunding. And now I have to go and practice um, what I preach and I hope I get it right. <laughs> I mean, what is, I mean, games cause what is a crowd fulfillment partner? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> well, your, 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 like, your, your traditional model of fulfillment is, Get it to my warehouse. I'll put it on my shelf. You upload your information um, or you send me your data and then I'll ship everything out. That's it. There's no real value <laughs> add other than cheap shipping, you know, reasonably good packaging and accuracy in terms of making sure that you, you get your stuff out there. Um, and, and, and there are lots of really good um, fulfillment companies out there that do that. Yeah, day out, day in, you know, where you can send your product in, put it on the shelf, link up your Shopify site, and they'll go in, pick, pack, and post your, your items for you. Um, we're, we're very different um, to that. At the core, we make our money through picking and packing and sending your items out. But um, but we're very, very specialist in, in the market. We only work in the crowdfunding arena, and we only work within the board game card game role-playing um, sphere um, so we, we're, we're very specialized and what we've done over the years is like when, when I look when I first started this business and my I, you might recognize the name of a company called Dr. Finn Games, Biblios Dice and um, and a few other games like that quickly followed by um, well you recognize the head on the go but it's Eduardo Baraf um, who um, um, who was my second customer um, and, and very quickly we realized that um, the crowdfunding uh, publishers are serial entrepreneurs they basically um, once they have a success they bring out another game and another expansion another game so they, they, it's serial so very early on we went actually, actually we do a good job for these people and add some value then they'll just keep coming back. They'll just keep coming back project after project after project. Um, and so we decided, um, particularly, you know, with the COVID side, because we were very, very also a very large online retailer. So probably I was a, I was an Amazon whore, um, <laughs> to, to coin a phrase. I was on every single Amazon site in the world. Um, and, but what that taught me was everything about international shipping. And and so what we 
decided to do, particularly after COVID, is shut down that retail arena and fully focus on the fulfillment side of the business. And to be able to then throw resources and, and, uh, and as much as we could into adding value to the publisher. Because we, the amount of times the publishers came to me after a failure on Kickstarter uh, and would say, oh my God, we so wish we, you know, we'd spoken to you before. Just we did, we now go out to the market and we talk to a, a good dozen budding entrepreneurs or, or potential people who are looking at Kickstarter and go, okay, we're gonna go. And we give them tough love. Um, we really do because I've done about 5,000 projects in the last eight years on crowdfunding. So we do know, and we speak to our publishers and our partners. I mean, I see one ring behind you there, you know, Free League, and who's one of my biggest customers. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and we know the guys really well, and we've seen what they do and what they need to do, you know, and what you need to go and do to be successful. So we try to pre launch, work out the logistics strategy for the launch because people don't realize how important logistics are. And our job is to go out there and seek the best worldwide fulfillment that we possibly come for our clients um, and to be able to not just find that, but able to enable that as well when the time comes. Um, and also then to tell them what they need to do to succeed. And marketing is so vital, so vital to, um, to crowdfunding. And, and I call it my slope of success, but help them build that slope of success up. L lots of criteria for marketing to logistics to, I mean, for God, for example, you know, educate particularly American publishers to the size of the European market, for example, and encourage translation and all, all these things to do. And we don't actually do a lot for them, but we add the knowledge and the expertise for them to be enabled and able to go there. And our motto is, well, the more backers you get, the more parcels I ship. You make money, I make money. And so we try to partner right the way across and advise a guide about retail and distribution, about making introductions. You know, we've got a very good inroads into um, into distribution, like Asthma Day. We can introduce people um, across <laughs> America. So, so hopefully we, we add a lot of value to that chain, as well as where we make the money, which is the pick at the back of the post. And, you know, the matter, you know, people sometimes moan about that we take too long, but they don't realize how complex and important it is to get things right. Um, and we have a lot of armchair logistic warriors out there who think they know far better than we do. And, um, and, and I, honestly, they come work for me if they, if they think they can do better than my team. But, but um, so basically, um, you know, our job is, and right through the customer support, our job is hopefully we do enough that they come coming back. We're not perfect. We are so not perfect. And any logistics company out there that say they're perfect are lying through their teeth <laughs> um, uh, because logistics is a messy business. Um, it, it, things can go wrong, you know, from, from, you know, maybe our courier let us down or customs decide to get involved or for whatever reason, um, you know, things can go wrong. But we always, always without any kind of a doubt, always put them right if we can. So um, so that's, that's that's the difference between what we call ourselves a crowdfunding partner to add values right across the chain um, to to a traditional fulfillment company that will just pick, pack and post them. So, so uh, thanks very much. So if, you know, I, I start a Kickstarter, um, when do I get you guys on board? Do I, is it something that I need to do? you know, to sort out um, production and things like that? Or are you just there for fulfillment? How does... 
We're just there for fulfillment, though. I do advise to tell people who we think are the, are the best manufacturers out there um, and who they should go and talk to. Um, you know, so people say to me, hey, um, you know, I'm thinking of using Panda, Lompak, E-Star, Magic Craft, What's Games. That's absolutely thumbs up. Yeah. Um, I give them that, like that, that little bit of pat on the back and say, "Well done." These are the, these are the good people that's out there. Um, so, so no, talking to us uh, as far in advance as you come. Look, we don't get involved in game design. Well, apart from my own, obviously, which we're comfy. But um, <clears throat> that's all. You you do the hard work. You doing the game design and everything as well, and you're looking at you and trying to source your manufacturing. But the sooner you engage with us, so that we can tell you. What we think, and it's not that I have a crystal ball because I don't, um, but I've seen enough and know enough to know what you need to do to go and succeed. Um, and and then, yeah, because honestly, you would not believe the amount of people that come to us a week before they're going to launch. And they're so not ready. They're so, like, they think they can just slam up a campaign on the Kickstarter with 100 followers and they're going to succeed because they've got, they think they're going to spend money advertising as soon as they go, and you go like, no, you're so going to fail. And you're the reasons why you're going to fail. And and say, so we give people tough love. Um, but I, it's I, in our best interest for them to succeed. I think, I think people need it. Like we, we haven't done anything serious. Like back in the day, we did some charity ones um, for like catalogs. Um, and even they were stressful and, you know, not what we sort of expected. And you get a lot of, and I've backed many Kickstarters in my life, as you can probably see from the, the vast <laughs> swathes of things behind me. Um, and Well, you got War Room. Yeah, I did. I got War Room. played War Room yet? I, I'm, I'm, played it yet? I, I'm playing it at Christmas and bringing it back for me and my bro to play because nobody else... Oh, I actually spent the weekend. We literally four of us, five of us spent the weekend oh, wow. um, a couple of months ago, and literally both on a Saturday and Sunday and set it up. And we did the fulfillment for it as well. And, uh, oh man! And he donated a copy to it. And yeah, it's like yeah, it's a cost between um, Access and Allies, and um, and I'm very much more in debt to Access and Allies. And, and uh, yeah, but it's um, yeah, Access and Allies is by far Access and Allies Global. So the uh, the massive one you get with sort of Pacific and European theatres together is possibly one of my favorite games of all time like i i i i wrote a massive article for the website on it just like saying it's like it's probably the biggest game you'll never play but you should um because of x y and z and so when war room came out i was like oh my god it's i can't remember the guy's name where is his name larry harris that's it um who obviously was behind Axis and Allies, I was just like, oh, I'm, to- I'm totally have to get on this. So because my mates are all useless and they don't like big, massive, long games that take 14 hours plus, um, I thought I'd... Play uh... that. <laughs> so I'm going to bring it back because me and my brother, we have we play Axis and Allies every Christmas. And I thought, well, we'll, we'll bring this one back and we'll sit there at my mum's table and we'll play it for two days solid. So, uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be it. Um but yeah, so like the whole the the whole Kickstarter, like we've had loads of people on um, on the podcast in the past, um, and it sort of opened my eyes quite a lot about all the the stresses and the things that can go wrong and the stuff behind what's going on for manufacturers or um, publishers. Um, 
And I felt I felt quite guilty because I've been that guy who's being I'm generally quite a patient person. Um and I'll wait, you know, for a long time and then suddenly a game won't turn up and then you start getting annoyed because they're not backing they're not they're not updating you, they're not doing this, they're not doing that. And then you just jump to conclusions and we talked to some of them uh about, you know, these one of the guys, um and I'll not mention it, but uh, you know, they had a bad sort of fulfillment and it, he told me about everything that was going on in the background. I felt so shitty because there's so much shit that can go wrong and things that can go wrong on every little bit of avenue that it's just like, okay, maybe I need to cut people a break. And on top of that, international logistics, exports, customs, that's complex. That is, I mean, you're dealing with like export controls and customs and trade agreements and the whole <laughs> legal aspect. That's another complexity. So I kind of had to tip your hat, take my hat to you because I've like, been able to navigate all that and still deliver. Isn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah, everybody went, oh, Brexit, Brexit must be a nightmare. Not half as a nightmare as the new VAT laws in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still yeah. not. Um, you know that that was that was a lot worse than Brexit, I can tell you. Random question: Is does Gen GDPR come into this? Obviously, because you're dealing with your personal information, and then there's a lot more protections around personal information in regard to location and address and names. Does that become a, a, a little bit? We, we we are careful about GDPR. A lot, yeah. a lot of people like Backerkit, etc. I've made a very good. Um, way of being able to utilize the backer data they're given under their terms and conditions but you know we're very very strict on it because it's not they're not our customers we we try to treat backers as our customers um but they're not our customers they are um, they are our publishers customers and so we're very 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 super careful about about gdpr and what we can do with the data now lucky under gdpr we're fully entitled to be able to facilitate the data for what it's meant to do, which is to live to deliver their goods right the way through. So therefore, we have to keep it. But yeah, we're we're pretty good at um, at, um, at being able to purge data um, in our system. Um, you know, in, in our portal, it's very easy to do that. And obviously, any backer data is is kept secure and um, you know for a certain amount of time. Because the problem with GDPR is is that. We had a return parcel from Bolivia the other day. It was it had been there for it been there for seven months before it got returned to us. Oh, now wow. if we purged that, if we purged the data after three months, we wouldn't have been able to do anything to, to help yeah. that customer. And yeah, so things kind of and people are mad. Honestly, backers like you know <laughs> just like they'll come back to us after six months ago. I didn't receive my pledge. I mean, six months, for God's sake. I mean, you know, it just, but anyway. So. Yeah, it, I mean, you've got to think about it also as well, which another aspect I never really considered for, because I've been um, happily living in the same house for well over 10 years now, is most backers are younger, I find, especially gaming-wise, they're to be younger, a bit more disposable income. And they're like students are moving around a lot more so you can have to actually updating their address and destinations that's a headache yeah that is and that, 
that's happened to me a couple of times. So, like, I thankfully I used to live like about ten minutes down the road, and my old uh, my old neighbours uh, would tell me when uh, when something turned up, and I was like, I'm sure I changed that address, but like three or four kickstarters that I'd backed millennia ago uh, that just turned up, sort of turned up in my old address. I was like, I'm sure I changed those, but obviously I didn't, and uh, they, I had the code. I didn't get them from there. Yeah, we've just literally added now the, the next last piece of the jigsaw to, to, to another check for behalf of our publishers. So now we send out, um, you know, when, like, for example, Orange Nebula is there unsettled too. We, we just, um, we, uh, it's, it is complex, for example. So we've had it for three weeks, but we normally say we can get out within three weeks. But there's been, the data has been very complex, um, particularly with shipping into the EU from the UK. Um, so now this week, address verification emails will go out. You know, um, so that everybody will get an email. So we are now in the final stages of of getting the ship out. This is your last chance. <laughs> this is your last last manager. chance. You had it from the publisher. This is your very last chance. <laughs> and we get, and they can literally change it live on our portal. Um, so yeah. Um, so when people go like, it should have gone out by now. Well, there's lots of lots of steps before we can go. Out have you have you ever had? So I've had. I'm trying to think. I've had maybe three Kickstarters that have fallen on their arse and I've lost money in. Two of them are tech, and one of them um, is a sort of uh, a model company, which I'm very, I still very upset about now. But have you ever had one where they haven't fulfilled, and have you caught any flack from that because you were so disobedient? Um, we are yes. Um... We have had, we've had that, um, particularly in the early days, um, which was why we changed our model that um, we get prepayment before before a project goes out the door um, on on a most occasion because we've we've been kind of stung. But yeah, it, it happens. Um, you're particularly after COVID. Um, yeah, for example, Blacklist Games with their fantasy series miniatures, which are just absolutely fantastic. You know, I mean, Alex at Blacklist is, you know, I can't say too much, but he he was one of the ones and now he's he's fine now and we've actually shipped out the very last um, um, of what was left over from that but um, they they basically like like a few others in um, Grimlord Games is probably another example that, that fell upon you know the hard time because of the because of the shipping disaster because you know I mean literally we were doing we were doing we were quoting you know 40 foot containers for less than two and a half grand three grand you know, pre-COVID. At some point, 40-foot containers were 30 grand. Ooh. 30 grand, you know? And I know, for example, you know, where you budget 50, 60 grand for, to get your stuff out, it's now a quarter of a million quid. Well, that's all your profit gone, you know? So what do you do? I mean, you know, do you do you, do you your whole fire? Do you store them in China? Do you get them shipping out? And some people panic. And well, well let's get it out now. It could be worse. Um, and and a lot of companies. I mean, how some companies survived um, to manage to get their you know, stuff out of China post COVID um, was just uh, is unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's you know there are, there have been a few companies that have um, you know and and particularly in the early days without what I call the business acumen of, um, of what it is. And people would get into this phrase where Kickstarter was easy and they could. They could actually launch another Kickstarter before 
before delivering um, the next one. And this is why Kickstarter particularly have clamped down on where you can't, until it's been delivered, you're not, we're not allowing you to launch another one. Because people would be rolling over, they'd be funding the previous project with the revenue from the second one. Yeah, project. like a, par- like so, a pyramid scheme. Yeah, that and, sounds and, a lot and like getting caught into that cycle. But I mean, I can't, I can't name stuff. But uh, companies do, do, do struggle. Um, well, I but, know yeah. one Maple Leaf Games, a <laughs> example of that. They did like something, um, the Cryptex, and basically there was kind of like they're trying to do Kickstarter, Kickstarter kind of get revenue, but the games was not being delivered, and eventually it's Mark Neal Games had to come in and basically. Basically, um, Maple Leafs Games were, were declared bankrupt, the assets liquidated, and Mark Naylor Games came in and basically bought it up. It wasn't Maple Leafs Games, was it? It was, yeah. um, no, it was, um, it was Peter Blokenham. Um, no, temporarily escapes me yeah. now, but, um, but yeah, so I don't think it was Maple Leafs Games. Um, yeah. But I know, yeah, I know, I know the situation. I know exactly what's going on with that as well. It's, yeah, and I got my crypto. Still not very clear cut, let's put it that way. So, but yeah. Yeah, well, I got the I've got Cryptex. I got, I mean, we I backed this five years ago as a as a birthday present for my wife, and eventually gave it to her um, in August this year. I was like, here's your here's your birthday present. Four years too late. <laughs> I've got a. This is quite funny. Have you, did you you know that obviously the new Hero Quest came out from Hasbro, but before that happened, there was a Spanish company um, that called Games Quest who did the 25th anniversary of uh, Hero Quest. I backed that, and I'm still waiting on it. Nearly what? what 10 years i think it's like it's going to be the 35th anniversary or something now because they're all the, all the league all the legal stuff that's gone through and they're still saying they're gonna they're going to deliver it it's getting its name changed to quest spelt backwards so to quest and then quest spelt forwards so it's like a q in the middle and it's it's basically quest on either side um and they're still saying it's going to come through and i'm just like i've just written off 110 quid that sort of was there and if it comes it comes and if it doesn't it it doesn't but uh yeah i it's just that's like that's my like patience is you know when ten when it's ten years. Ten years. Ten years. That being ten said, years. you know if you if if you backed uh, if you backed Star Citizen, I guess you're you're still pretty much in the same thing, you know. With, with that. I, I think if you, if, you don't, if you don't get um, a game within four years, you can kiss it goodbye, really, can't you? Oh you know, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, you know, I've, you know, but some games are incredibly popular. You, you, we did Europa Univalis and those guys. I mean, that's a really in-depth kind of complex game, and I got that as know, well. I, Got that as yeah, well. <laughs> you, you've obviously got quite a lot from me. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 If I, I'm going to do a search tomorrow on a portal. I'll probably see a lot of um, a lot just, of stuff that we've yeah, got. Yeah, like, just Geek is going to feature in that a lot. Yeah. Trust. Now, I haven't played it. You, you, you've right. And this is this is the thing. Let me just put it out there because some people like I don't new customer going. Oh, you've got bad twenty nine you know reviews on Trustpilot and they're not all very good. And I say to like you know it's a Mac right. 
right, here's a question you as a backer, I'm going to put it on the spot now. You've had a war room from me, you've had you've been on a varsity, you've probably had no problems with it. Have you ever gone on to uh, Google Review and said, GameQuest is great, they deliver my package? No, you, you just, you know, it's just, it, it, there's certain, I'm really bad for that. It's just, no, it's no, only... no. And why should you? Yeah. You shouldn't need to. You yeah. know, we've done our job. You shouldn't need to. You're, you're contracted to the publisher. And I, but, but when people have a bad, bad experience with, with a package from us, they leave us a negative review. And I'm like, going like, because we've done a quarter of a million parcels this year, right? Quarter of a million. But n- nobody who's had a successful parcel delivered will go, yeah, GameSpot's are great. The odd one does, but, you know, but... We're trying to see that. So, Matt, can you um, leave me a positive review? Yeah, I feel guilty now. I feel guilty now, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, like, again, I I understand, like, having had, like, every every game I've had, and I've backed, I'm, like, on nearly 80 Kickstarters, I think. I've, um, yeah, I'm trying to... That's got a problem. No, that's me trying to stop, to the point where I've I've only backed a couple (laughs) recently, (laughs) because I had to stop, because it was getting to the point where it's like, oh, shiny thing, and I was just selling stuff as it was coming through the door because I was just like I'm never going to play this game I got taken away by the shiny plastic crack that came in and I, I need to stop but yeah I'm, I'm quite patient when it comes to um, waiting for things generally and um, understanding of the it's more so now after talking to people that when shit happens but yeah I would never the only time I've ever sort of given a review has been a really bad one because somebody's really, really fucked me off, uh, and like I, I, then I'll fucking you know. So I, I, that's probably why it's just like you don't do the good stuff because you kind of well that's their job they do the thing and you don't really think about it. But then if you're real, you know something bad happens and you're all like, uh, 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 and you say your thing. The thing is as well is, is that most people are actually um, yeah a vast majority of um, Kickstarter is exactly like you. They're happy, they wait, they're patient, you know, um, and and of course, but. That's tiny minority that make a very big vocal noise, and they're fully entitled to, by the way, fully entitled to. Um, but they make a lot of noise, and of course, the publishers all listen to that small wave of noise that are coming through, and you go like, you know, and one of our one of our publishers a funny story. They um, they um, yeah, we had a, we had a, they were, some of their super backers were moaning and saying, and they started a petition online to move from GamesQuest to another to another fulfillment company and like this this campaign's got about like five six thousand backers and um and three people signed it and it was the th- <laughs> and it was the three that had been making the vocal noise who had then duplicated accounts um to yeah. try and make even more noise so it's just like have you not got actually anything better with your time to do you're going to get your parcel <laughs> we are a reputable company we do a good job most of the time, 99% of the time, you do a good job. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, uh, fulfillment company is basically IT support. When things are fine, you don't even know they're there. Correct. When things go wrong, they're immediately in the firing line. That's a really good I'm going to use that analogy, Peter. That's a really good analogy. <laughs> okay, look, we are like the IT world of fulfillment. Well, you are. I mean, like, when things go wrong, you're in the crosshairs. But when they're going right, no one knows. No one, you're the silent partner almost yeah. because it's the publisher that's kind of, oh, I did this game and you're the guy's record. Yeah, we delivered it as well. Yeah, I, I feel that because I do sort of like tech and innovation in my job. And uh, if you do things right, it's just normal. As soon as something goes wrong, your neck is literally getting, yeah. you're getting absolutely beasted on on, to- on teams for not doing something uh, or a mistake. And I'm like, but what about all the good stuff I do? <laughs> 
I did an article <laughs> recently for IT Pro, uh, which is basically what has I, what have IT support ever done for us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And it basically was everything. <laughs> I'm trying to look at the game. I'm trying to see is there is there a thing on the Games Quest website for all the games that you've sent out? Because I feel like I need to know how much I funded you guys in the in the past. <laughs> Well, uh, I've, I've got about two shelves worth of role-playing games from. Uh, sorry, sorry, yeah, I lost. I, Matt, I do apologize. I lost you there for about eight seconds. So uh, it was uh, all I got was. Is there anything on the Games Quest site? And then oh yeah, so so I'm just trying to see how much money I funded for you guys in the, in, the, in in my in my history and stuff. I'm, uh, I was going through uh, oh, the things. Yeah, well, I think pre-league we must be on project. Like well, that's just one there. shelf of games. Yeah. I've got another one. See, well, the thing is, Pete says, you know, he's funny, but these are free. Pete, Pete does. Uh, Pete gets all these nice freebies, you see, because he's all into his RPGs. Um, I, yeah, I I'm all, you. I'm all about the plastic crack, me. It's all about plastic things and and shiny miniatures and. Well, we did about we did about twenty. We did about thirty odd, about thirty five projects for Simon um, until they. Did, I, but, but you know, we and like we didn't lose Simon because we were a bad company. We lost it because of Brexit and VAT, uh, and right. they decided to use this uh, this, uh, this company in Holland. Uh, but I'm still friends with them and stuff as well. But um, but you know we've been Modifius now. It's probably my, been my longest um, oh, right, uh, yeah. customer now. But uh, and, and and free league and together. So but yeah. No oh, yeah. All right. So uh, we've done that side. We're going to cross the picket line uh, and move on to your your new venture, um, mystery and adventure games. So tell us about it. So. <clears throat> Very a long, long time ago, a long, long time. Ago. I don't really remember. <laughs> I of, can uh, still remember. Song there, but there we go. <laughs> um, so I used to do well. My my first foray into when I first started role playing was obviously D and D, and then Steve Jackson's the, the Fancy Trip. I, mean, I was massive into the Fancy Trip, and then I got into uh, play by mail games. So oh, um, I was a massive. Um, well, I had my own company uh, called oh. Mystery Adventure Game Bazaarly. I had a role playing game called Infinite Adventures, uh, World of Vengeance. I used to play that, um, uh, and then Sloth Enterprises with their kind of games. Um, I used to sit on loads of panels um, um, uh, and so forth when I was in quite quite big into the play by mail arena. Yeah. Um, and and so I had my own role playing game. It was a hand moderated, free formatted role playing game called uh, Infinite Adventures. Um, and, um, and that's kind of what it was. I had die line maps. It was brilliant, you know. And I because my version of it is why you can't run a role playing game and play by by mail. There's no way that a GM is going to sit there and roll a bloody dice so you can't even see it. It's not happening. <laughs> Just that happening. So my my idea was is that it's all down to your imagination. It's like a story that involves in going. Uh, but soon came to realise that you couldn't actually make any money there. It was very time consuming and hard work. Uh, but yeah, the Dialine map it was called Infinite Adventures. It was, it was brilliant. Um, so that was kind of um, my kind of foray. And then then we moved on to um, we used to run a separate because I don't know if you've a convention called Manicon that was in Birmingham there you had lots of risk and stuff but we had our own little Manicon kind of going where we basically it was like a lot of play by mailers would come together we play board games and role playing games etc as well and um, and we were at Reading one year um, at a games convention in Reading and we were watching Vampire Masquerade being oh. played um, and which is free format role playing and I thought oh I like the idea but I started talking to my friend and, and um, my friend Neil and I went like it wouldn't it be a good idea we could do like we could do our own at Manicon we could 
write our own murder mystery. Uh, we could run our own free format. Like, I make it a murder mystery. And he went, yeah, that's a really good idea. I'll do that with you. So uh, we did. We um, we wrote our own uh, free formatted role-playing murder mystery game for like 24 players. Um, and it was like, you know, people... Um, yeah, it was a murder mystery because a murder had happened. Like, for example, one of the ones we did was a Roman one where Caesar's been killed. Right. You know, he's found, he'd been found with 13 daggers in him. And you think, well, who killed him? Well, all right. But really, to be honest with you, a lot of it was irrelevant about a murder. You were trying to find a murder to, to enhance your political or military gain within the environment. So that particular game was who is going to become the next emperor. Ah, you know? right, okay. and, and so lots of people had their own objectives, <laughs> like the religion wanted to make sure that they were going to have a pro, you know, Venus um, emperor, for example. You know, so lots of mayhem, murder, mystery all going on. People could, you could kill people, you could be murdered, you know, and, and you had your own objectives and you also had, you know, things you had to role play. So if you're playing Claudius, you had to talk with a stutter all night and really would encourage really proper brilliant role playing going on you know um and so so we kind of did that we, we and eventually we we've done a lot of conventions we went to we, we'd go to games days and we we met a guy a friend of neil's was a guy called richard williams who'd won like lots of the D opens in uh, mid 90s i think gary gygax was gm in one and he uh-huh. won best uh, role play in the, the british open from D, etc and so he was writing with us with us and then and that kind of developed, and when we we launched a company called Near Death Experience, it was all about um, running. It was an event-based game where basically we could, you could use corporate people could use it to help people develop their networking skills, communication skills, etc. As well, but we're all doing it part time, and it, so it never really kind of flew off, um, you know, um, off the ground. And so we eventually we kind of went our um, our ways. You know, I got into things like civilization and <laughs> I became a computer nerd oh, and, nice. uh, as we all do um I'd kind of um, you know and I hadn't seen Richard and Neil it was five of us originally but Richard me Richard and Neil were the kind of main people behind it um and so uh, you know I, I did I lost touch with the guys and obviously now with with um with um with, with knowing what I know and working with the likes of um you know Medifis and role playing and and free league and, and all these guys and seeing how popular and growth the rpg market has become um i just suddenly thought one day i thought well there's nothing out there that you can run a, a game an event-based game because you see like things like blood on the clock tower and stuff and, and these sorts of things which is still all scripted everything is still scripted um you know so i felt there was nothing out there that gives that really true role-playing experience without the dice without anything else like that you can actually properly role play a character for an evening um, that's going to um, to really have you uh, for three hours really immerse yourself into that character to achieve what you want to or need to achieve and plus have a really good fun with it um, so I got back in touch with Neil and I said like you know do you still have it because we were doing a weekend away and I thought I haven't run a murder mystery for like 15 20 years I fancy you right away do you still have these he said yes I've got the Roman I still got the Roman one so can I borrow it so I made some changes and we run the Roman one and people really enjoyed it and I started thinking again I got like what if we could do a box set version of this where you know somebody could literally take the button host their own party 
and run it. Everything's in that box for a DM uh, or a host of the party to be able to run run the event. And anywhere from 12 to 24 players, the core 12 players, and then you'd know which 13th player to add, which 14th player to add, which the 15th player to add, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and all the notes and everything in there that would allow you to um, to be able to successfully run that. So I got back in touch with I thought, if you could do a box version of that, the global RPG market, and there's nothing like it really uh, that I've seen on the market. I just, I just thought, and I got back and bless them. You know, Rich is a politician, knew nothing about crowdfunding. Neil's a math teacher, knows nothing about crowdfunding whatsoever. <laughs> so I do a business plan and pitch it to them, and they went, "Yeah, we're in. We'll just do it." Because they, you know, we've got about 12, 10, 20 scenarios written that we can easily adapt from, you know, um, um, horror, science fiction, fantasy, Western, Roman, corporate. We've, got, we've, got, we've done success. We've done a lot of these things. So would it be playable? So we, we, we've kind of gone and, um, and run lots because I own a couple of board game cafes in Portsmouth and Worthing. Uh, we're shareholders of, um, of, the, of Dice in, in Portsmouth and Dice in Worthing. So we, we kind of hosted a, a few events just to kind of get some market research and stuff and start developing it, which has been, you know, I just can't believe people have so much fun on there, you know, and, and it's not just for role players, you know, people with families are coming up, maybe not had much family experience in life, and when people dress up in a fancy dress and they go for it, once they get going, phew, there's no stopping them, you know, so everybody from different walks of life just have a great fun, and it's brilliant. It's, it's, it's funny that you sort of, you mentioned that whole family thing, because I, I have a really lasting memory, like my my father was a nerd in, the, in that he played war games on his computer, he loved his computer and stuff like that, but bar sort of like some old school board games, hex-based war games he used to play, um, he didn't do RPGs, he didn't do anything else, but I very vividly remember when I was really young, them having a party in my house and everybody dressing up in sort of kind of Japanese kimonos and kimonos sorry and uh and and having all these like beanbags and things and and they had this sort of murder mystery game that that was like uh it came in a box and obviously somebody was a mystery and I very vividly remember that and it's sort of kind of similar thing that you're talking about and stuff and like none of them none of them like it had like people from down the street and stuff they were into that sort of thing and they all dressed up and they all pretended to be characters and stuff they really got into it and um yeah I was I was I just sort of reminded me when you were talking about that as a sort of thing in my head I, it, it, we did, we did a, the, the, the one that we're launching on GameFound is called Halloween Night, and it's like, is there vampires? Are there werewolves? You think, you think of everything for Hammer, Hammer House yeah, Classics, yeah. right, is in, is in this game, right? Everything is, is in this game. Just have to go and find it. And anyway, we, we run an event at Dice, and there was a family down there, and the dad, dad didn't know nothing like this. Now, he ended up bizarrely getting best role-playing at the end of the night. That's what we were <laughs> Because... What he did was, a lot of people, when they win the best role play of the night, are either extrovert, extravagant, bit over the top, but are brilliant because they bring everybody, or just play their character perfection. But he was very subtle because his character, he was having memory blanks. Like, basically, he wasn't sure whether he was a killer because he would have, he would have, you know, he would have blackouts and he'd have memory blanks. And so his daughter was talking to him, and I was, I was kind of there with Germany, and um, uh, I was playing a character actually, and he would just stop and he he would just fade out and his daughter was starting to really get worried because dad dad are you, 
are you okay, Dad? Are you okay? And I'm going, he's role playing. He's role playing. <laughs> he's role playing. <laughs> she's going like, he's role playing. You know? And like, and she got it, you know? And uh, he just played it really subtle. And sometimes it's all you kind of need to do that. But he had a, he had a whale of a type because Nobby was just like going like, you're right, mate. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... You know, and so, you know, my daughter played, she's 18 and she's been socially, you know, doing a teen year, very socially anxious and she's kind of getting better. And I would never have thought she would play something like this, but she decided that she wanted to have a go of it. Oh, my God. One cocktail and she was gone. She was part of this cult and she would needed to. You know, get, she ended up marrying the head of another cult so they could merge their cult. She was like, well, that wasn't an objective. <laughs> that escalated, that really? escalated quickly. <laughs> it so, reminds me uh, of <laughs> especially like the, the late 90s, early 2000s, World of Darkness stuff that would take place on an evening in, in like you know, a functioning room where we all turned up in character. And I mean, like, skill realization was through rock, paper, scissors. We all kind of dressed up as characters and had like our own specific, uh, particular goals for the night. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, and there's nothing like it now. There really isn't. There's like these big prestige LARPs. Yeah. And like, search as um, the Last Supper of uh, Giovanni. Or there's the like kind of the weekend long LARPs, such as Love in Trust, Empire, and so on. But it's nothing like those kind of in an, e- in an evening. Yeah. And, and this is this is exactly this is designed to last um, three hours. You, yeah. you, you can play the game in three hours, um, and you know you can play from twelve to twenty-four players. Well, actually twenty-eight because we've got expansions that you can add on. We've successfully run it with twenty-eight players, um, and everybody's got something to do. And every and every time the game is different. We've had guy play five times, but he's played it different because it's more different scenarios come in, they're willing to link to each other. And um, and and the best thing at the end, the best thing in the end is the watch up. When everybody has to sit around and go like you start with the you start with the uh, the, the detective who says like, well this is what I think is cap because that allows people to go like, well he's not gonna pick on me now so I can reveal a little bit more. And of course people's faces like you go around and say, well and of course I had this and like and then people and then somebody goes, No <laughs> No <laughs> Why didn't I talk to you? You had that. Oh my god! Like, and people like, like go like, you are. And it's just where people reveal who they are, what they had to do, and, and there's some moments that are just, ah, oh, it's just so much fun, guys. The it's revelation. So Three hours, brilliant. Yeah, but, there's there's something about sort of like shorter one shots effectively what's the replayability like for them by the way really good yeah yeah. really good because um because um you you honestly um i say i've had people who've played it five times they've had a different experience every time i've played about four times and actually i played um this irish politician who basically had to go talking about um (laughs) and actually he, he had a secret objective to do but most of the night I was telling people about how wonderful Guinness was and I <laughs> somehow sold a barrel of Guinness to this American guy who was trying to buy Guinness who was trying to buy beers for his pub over there and I, I'd be talking noise this or noise you know have you ever tasted Guinness it's fantastic um, I had another objective which I wouldn't, wouldn't kind of give away but but it, it's different every time and, and actually in this particular one 
Um, we've got several or, or a couple of murders or different scenarios about who the murderer could be, and the, the, the DM can change it every time. Um, and the, you know, and, the, and and most of the time the murderer gets away with it because they're just like. Well, sometimes the detectives are brilliant. Other times they're completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and the secret agents, they're always secret agents, they're always secret coppers around. Just, well, they just don't really care. They want to do their own objective, their own thing. <laughs> to be fair, that's most secret agents. I mean... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But, in, and it's like, because uh, like, people go like, oh, well, I can, we say like, you can't kill anybody for the first hour. Right? Let people at least have an hour's experience because then you could become a ghost and listening on people's conversations, and that's just equally just as entertaining. Finding out, and seeing what actually what people are doing, and um, so let's imagine you've got you know, a vial of potion. You you can't just turn around and go to the DM while I'm, I you know um, you know let's imagine Peter you want to murder Matt and you go like well I just poison him, okay? How? Well I I give him this vial of potion. How? Or I'll put in his drink. Go on then. Um, what if you go up? I see you buying him a drink, okay, yeah. and pretend you put the potion in, and then go and get a drink. And Matt drinks it. You've got him. Now, if Matt knows he's going to get killed, if Matt knows he's got any suspicion whatsoever, he's not going to possibly take a drink from somebody random or anybody else like that. He's going to buy his own drinks. But if he's stupid enough to take a <laughs> I'm not buying Matt's, any well, no drinks from Pete. <laughs> then would you got away with it? You know, so so you can't just pull a gun out of somebody and shoot them in cold blood in front of everybody without the police arresting you and you're not so you've got to have that little bit of realism in terms of your objective and you've also got to play fair there's a level of playing fair honestly um with 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 people as well but um, yeah good fun so yeah i mean and that's why LARP is so much fun when when you wrote doing a tabletop robbery going i walk into the bar and buy a drink yeah you you just say that when you're LARPing, you physically go into the bar and buy a drink. Yes. And there's nothing like that, really, in terms of, like, pure experience. Absolutely. And, and so you could you could say this event is a bit, is has that element of LARP, has that element of murder mystery, has that element of um, of whodunit, um, and has that element of, well, we, we call it free-format role-playing because there isn't really a rule set to it um, other than reality you know if you can't if you can't do it in real life then you're not going to be able to do it and that, that yeah. the, the host needs to be you know we've got all the notes in there for the host to be able to successfully run it so yeah it sounds like you kind of set up like the whole premise and all the character drives and then just leave the people that each person to kind of run run their character as they see fit and see where the absolutely right cards fl- yeah absolutely it's a sandbox game yeah once, once, once the once the and the game begins, or let the games begin, anything can happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the events we did, I remember, and I don't mind telling the story. Is like, uh, well, first of all, one of the early ones we did. I was, you know, we were the NPC, we were the detectives, you know, and Neil was playing. We were Jamaica, and we were talking like this, and like terrible Jamaican accent. <laughs> and um, and he comes up halfway through the game. He said, uh, "Sorry, boss, but I'm putting you under arrest." It's, what do you mean you're putting me under arrest? Neil, I said, oh, yeah. you know, it's just like, mate, they've got you. I was like, and unbeknownst to me, the players wanted me out of the way. They planted evidence on me. They planted some drugs on me, told my constable that actually his boss is the dirty thing. I'm like, he come, 
got the dress and locked me up. And it was brilliant. It was just a brilliant move, but I mean, no bearing on it. And there's another one that somebody started a rumour of this everlasting, this fulfilment, this like Purple Rose of Cairo, it was called. And everybody then suddenly was talking about this, like this, this Purple Rose of Cairo could do heal, you know, you know, wounds and the, you restore people to life. And everybody's after the Purple Rose of Cairo. It never existed. It was never <laughs> anybody, nothing. It did not exist in the game at all. But somebody decided, started a rumour and that was it. Everybody was after the Purple Rose of Cairo. That just did not exist. So anything can happen. That's what I like about these kind of sandbox games where, you know, like you say, anything can happen. Um, most adventures, they don't, like um, pre-written adventures that, that you can buy, tend to be very structured. Like, you know, Absolutely. there's this encounter, then this encounter, then this encounter, then this encounter. That's well and good. But generally, when I run a game, especially a, a role-playing game, I tend to go for the sandbox. I set up the kind of location. This is the big thing that is happening and then leave it up to players to work out what they want to do. I ran a major dissension campaign for two years, purely as a sandbox, where basically I said, right, you're in Sheffield, the technocracy have just left because you know mass, uh, industrialization was dying at the time in Sheffield. Right, uh, so the traditions are coming in and they want you to build a shantry. Go. And that was it. And basically, they just went for it. They just came up with these mad ideas. And I was just kind of sitting back um, and just saying, oh, just enjoying the mayhem that they were creating. And just I was more reacting to what they were doing rather than them reacting to me. Yeah. And, and you, you, well, Pete, it looks like you're going to be a, a really good backer for my uh, campaign <laughs> because I'm telling you now, mate, this is everything I'm hearing is right up your alley street. I, yeah. To be honest, I, I have, I've never, I've never LARPed and stuff like that, but I have been to the odd sort of like uh, medieval banquet sort of down in, uh, there's one in Coombe Abbey, I think, uh, just near came sort of down to Birmingham direction and stuff. I loved it. I took me to the point where I brought my my brother and my mum for her birthday and stuff. And it's all like you know you have to dress up and and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I'd love. I think I'd love to have a have a go at it. But it just it just it's quite unbelievable how actually people can get into it a bit too much. Um, we had a guy one of the medieval ones we did, um, and the, the the prince is basically a bit of a wastrel, but the guy who's playing him just let the power kind of get to his head, right? It's like he was just like he was bullying everybody. So anyway, his lords decided that nah, enough's enough. And but he was a brilliant swordsman, right? Brilliant swordsman. Um but anyway, they lured him to the top of this tower and like uh, basically over you know overpowered him and said, Well, I'm gonna gonna throw they're gonna throw him off and he's going no, guys, don't kill me. I can change. I can change. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, I can change. Went, nah, throw him over. Like, and then he was an editor of a, a big magazine. He was going, Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? I'm going to write a terrible review. You are. <laughs> yeah, no, throw him. Throw him. Throw him. Throw him. Yeah. I remember a few months ago, yeah. we were playing Murder in the Dark with my younger Murder in the son. Dark? Holy, oh wow, that's an old school that, game right there. That's old school. Yeah, basically that's a fun little party. Sorry, I, I, you froze again there slightly, but I, I didn't hear what you heard. So no, I, um, I, we were playing Murder in the Dark with, with, uh, with my youngest, yeah. who's, who's only seven. Yeah. And like the way you go, well, basically one person goes out, everyone has a party, then the lights go out, the murderer then kills, kills someone, and the lights come back on, the person coming back in that's detected has to question people, did you do it? Did you do it? Now, 
my youngest did take a somewhat innovative approach to rules by killing everyone in the well, why when the lights went out he killed everyone in the rural in the room <laughs> and the lights came back my wife who was who was ejected comes back in and goes oh Oh, everyone's dead, and there's my youngest there going. I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, like, like I'm thinking about like murder because we used to play murder in dark all the time when we were kids. And I used to love it, but I don't think anybody ever sort of was thinking anything. It was literally a, the whole idea. You turn the light off, somebody dies. The person who dies has to, really goes ah, and then the yeah. person who's the the judge is like, "You did it. No, I didn't. You did it. No, I didn't. You did it." And then the lights go off again, and somebody else dies, and yeah, it's just oh, yeah, but you don't think about like, hang on, everyone's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. It wasn't me. You're the only one left. Uh, ghost. It was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much his excuse to be found. Yeah, but uh, it's kind of like a more role play based version of that, a lot more yeah. depth. It's the best way I can put it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it sounds wonderful. I mean, I am going to be totally backing this when it comes out. Yeah. So when is it's, when is uh, it coming out? Um, so we were we were hoping uh, because we did have a bite from the BBC that they were interested in doing some coverage on it uh, because um, we've got some errors, but that never materialised. We were hoping to launch it on Halloween night on October. Oh, 3rd, nice! But it didn't quite pan out. My marketing lady, who's brilliant, she had to um, she was um, she had to go to hospital, um, and, and so she's fine. Um, so we've delayed it now. So we're gonna. So I was gonna do it on the thirty first of January until I realised it was my wife's fiftieth birthday the day before. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Maybe it's not such a good idea to do that. Uh, so we're going to be launching it hopefully on February the 6th now. Our marketing has really kicked in. So we've got about 250 followers on GameFound, which, um, yeah, that, that, but we've also now got about 500 on our mailing list um, from Facebook advertising and stuff as well. So we're building that up. Really. So, so our aim is to try and get about 2,000 um you know, people onto our mailing list before um, before launch. Because guess what, guys? Going back, that's what I tell my publishers that they have to do. Um, <laughs> and, and that they will fail or have zero chance of succeeding if they don't do it. So if I don't do it myself... Um, yeah, um, the, the sweet irony. I play. I... <laughs> it would be irony, isn't it? But, <laughs> but it's really interesting because I say to people, like, because they say, well, I don't have... I have this argument with people. I say, right, so you're marketing. I don't have a budget. I say, yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Oh, really? So what you're going to tell me that I've got to... How am I going to get a marketing budget? Well, the problem is, I said, is like, and I, and I preach this about marketing. I'm not a marketing expert, but I know what you need to do and what your return on investment is. And so, you know, you need to, it's not about being fearful about spending money on marketing for crowdfunding, but be about fearful about not monitoring what you are spending and what return on investment you are getting. So, you know, pre signups, you know, you need to be able to, uh, and I said this, I mean, you probably might see the Kickstarter called, called Myceum, uh, Mycelium on Kickstarter, it's got about 9,000 backers. And uh, Jack, fantastic guy, really switched on, but he came to us about uh, six to eight months before he was going to launch, and we said, We're well, not ready, this is what you need to go and do. And boy, did he go and do it. Um, but, you know, um, it's about monitoring the return investment pre-signups to make sure you're 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 not spending ten pound a lead you know for an email address and equally when you launch that you are getting an you know a return on investment for every pound you spend 
you know, so that you're not getting two to one, you're getting a four to one or a five to one. So in other words, whatever pound you spend, you're getting five pounds back. And I say to people, you get three to one, yeah, keep it going, four to one, yeah, doing all right. Five to one, remortgage, get a loan, uh, <laughs> or come to me, I'll buy half your company at that return on investment and we'd be rich together. So, <laughs> so, so it's all about not, not going to spend in 10,000 pounds on an advertising, but only getting 500 followers for it. That's you, you, you're broke um and so same thing for us and it was very very interesting because when we started trying to direct people in game found we end up paying five pound a lead now that's too much so we we tweaked it we went to a website and it went down a four pound a lead and went back up to, it was like too much now we're collating it directly on facebook because we're running a competition etc and it's down to like 77 people a lead so it's about trial about error about making sure you don't spend an absolute fortune mm. you know to make sure you try to get it right and that's our process that we're going to evolve so um We've kind of got there now, so we, we're, we're looking at um, getting that because um, we're running a competition. So uh, basically, the competition is and uh, Peter. So perfect, you're going to back the project. This is your chance because if you enter the competition or you follow on Game Fan, you'll get into a free draw, and you would make a great count. By the way, you could get um, you could get your face as one of the characters in the game. Okay, so, Ooh, I mean, oh, I'm all about all right. that. I'm I mean, all... no, 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 but I'm, I'm getting this one. <laughs> you, you could get a fight. One of the places will be 500 quid with a minimum amount where you're guaranteed to get a slot, but there's also a competition if you back it, um, you'll get a free, you know, a free entry into a draw for, um, you know, for you to, to, to have your character in there. So, so one male, one female is, is the, the attitude, and then you you have some pledges, whatever. But we're going, we're going to go. This is a cracker, right? This is a cracker. If you've got six grand to spare, six grand, you're going to save six grand. But how about this, boys? A fully customizable twenty-four character game for you and your friends. Wow! All of the characters, all designed, fully cast, customizable to to you, to you and whoever. All of them, all the characters. We would customize a lot, you know, for for you personally. That, that's something I think somebody would probably would buy. Like, if yeah. I had six grand, I I'm, I probably would think about that because that's a really good idea. And you share that between twenty four people as well. That is actually makes no. That's that's about, about no. That's not bad. So yeah. and, and and it's really interesting because um, there's people out there. I mean, um, I don't know if you I don't know if you've heard of a guy called Daniel Steele. Have you heard of Dan Steele? He used to be he was the founder of his Deviant Games, um, and now and then obviously he became kind of chairman of um, Asmodee Europe um, or CEO of Asmodee Europe, etc. As well, I know no problem. Really lovely guy, really nice guy. Um, anyway, he's he's now in. Is um, in partnership with uh, Christian Peterson of X Fantasy Flight, and um, and can't remember the guy's name. He was head of World of Darkness and um, um, White, White Wolf, etc. Oh, anyway, you're talking about Mark Van Hagen. Yeah, I think so. I think that's his name. But anyway, they're now involved in a partnership, but they run run um, basically this D and D weekends at this castle. Oh, all right, yeah, with, yeah. with Mark, with Mark Mir, with Mark yeah. Mir and stuff, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's just, I mean, well, I mean, people pay a lot of money to yeah, go to this. I was event. looking at the prices for that, and I was just like, holy shit, that's expensive. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, and they come from all over the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not only I mean, just the flights to get there, as well as the um, that, that kind of weekend. It's just like fantastic. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, just um, had, they've just had one or So least, there are people yeah. out there that... that, that, that well, yeah, that, I mean, that, like, 
there was that big like a big premier lob in the south of england all about the world's darkness um the final supper of giovanni and that was a full premier lab we had all these kind of luxurious costumes and it was several thousand pounds for a Mm. weekend but people i've spoken to have said yeah it's worth it just for the experience yeah so I mean, and we will come out. One of the one of the one of the pledges will be um, it's like fifteen hundred quid, but you'll get a character. Plus, we will come anywhere in the UK to run your event for you. You know, you'll have a, a team out there, and then there will be a full on um, one for for anywhere in the rest of the world that we will come and run an event for you, possibly wow. on Halloween night next year. Oh no, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, so we're trying to we're trying to add a little bit of flavour in there uh, as well. So, um, but yeah, so. That's kind of where we're at. So we'll have add-ons like folders and journals and pencils and all that sort of stuff that you can just add to the experience that you have. But it's all about the add-ons. That's what gets me. It's all uh, unfortunately <laughs> that's what cool minis are not always get me. It's all the little extra minis and things you get. It's like it's all about the extras. But you damn well know you're going to get a, like, a massive return on investment for it if you decide you hold on to it as a collector's item <laughs> and sell it. And sell it. Um, I thought I had um, a spare because I backed Blood Rage, and I had a spare map, and I had like you know two. I I got sent two for some reason, Um, Mm. and um, and a spare Blood Rage map. And um, anyway, I just like I went after I had it here. I've had it here for yonks. I went. I'm going to sell that. My daughter's off to university. Extra cash. Well, it went for like 140 quid, chaps. Yeah, it's it's mad. Like like there's I like for most of the kickstarters that I've sold because I'm like there's no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play this. I've literally just seen I've just been oh shiny thing and, and got it. But there was one uh, what was it called? Oh, it's not let me into my bloody thing. Um, it's uh fuck I can't remember. It was a um it was like a cooperative um. RPG, lots of minis and things, and I came to back of my box, and I, I literally, I, I think it was like two hundred quid. I, I bought it because I went all in because I always go all in, and I think I sold it for about three hundred and fifty quid. Um, and there was loads of people asking for it because obviously it was quite a limited run, and people didn't get certain things and stuff. And yeah, they're just. Yeah, it was mad. I was like, wow, shit. I thought I was going to have to make a loss on this game, but I actually profited on it. And I, I, I don't... Totally. Yeah, I don't do that, but uh, yeah, mad. Yeah. It was supply and demand. I mean, um, a very classic example is the Big Trouble in Little China, the board game. That's going for hundreds of pounds out because they were given that license for about a year, they made the game for a year, and then stopped. And there are people like me that grew up in the 80s that love Big Trouble Little China because it's a great film and we can't great find film. it anywhere. Great film. Yeah. It's the, great. So incredible. The annoying, and now I can't find it. Yeah, the annoying thing about that is the limited, and this is one of my sort of pet peeves, especially for people like me who have zero self-control. Um, you've got things like, so massive i'm into sort of my warhammer more so like i like all of the the lore and stuff behind it and obviously the horace heresy books have come out and they bring out a limited edition one and limited edition one's only only 50 quid it's leather back and stuff but all of bloody um what's they're called the um not the not fencers what are they called the people who sell the what are they called the people who sort of buy them for selling them on and stuff all the um what's the oh, name yeah. what are they called resellers yeah, resellers. We call them resellers. I can't remember the, the specific name for it. But they'll go on, and you can't get that. Like, you have to, as soon as you're sort of, it starts at 10 o'clock, you want to buy that book. 
for 50 quid, you can't. And they're all on eBay within 10 minutes going for 350, 400 quid. And you're just like, you motherfuckers. It's so annoying. <laughs> Again, I, that, that's, that's supply and demand. I know, but um, it's just annoying. It's just it annoying. Is, it is absolutely. I know. It's so I annoying. And it's just like, I don't. Uh, this is how, this is how, listen, I've got a, I'm a, I'm a six million pound company now, right? But I started buying games from car boot sales, books from car boot sales, and putting them on eBay. That's how I started. It's a hobby. And it's an addictive hobby. I call it the psychology of green. When you get a bid, it goes green. And like, and I remember, you remember, <coughs> well, you're going to like this, Peter. Remember um, uh, RuneQuest? And there was oh, a newsletter. Yes. There was a newsletter called Pavic Tales, right? And it was a, it was a typewritten newsletter. And um, we picked up a job lot, and um, I, right at the end, my wife ever goes, "Well, we could do about this, this like this bit of paper, you know, it's like, like you know, four, five, eight, yeah, about six pages of time." I said, "Oh, we'll whack them on for ninety-nine p." That was about we had about twelve editions of them. Oh my god, they were going for forty, fifty, sixty yeah. quid all over the world. I mean, because like there was some, these were collectible editions of this newsletter from the very word go. It was called Pavic Tales. It was just mad. And I thought afterwards, why don't I take photocopies of all of these things? <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, you know, they wanted the originals, you know, and it was just nuts. Yeah, Put them off ninety nine p and see them going up through the roof. Man. I remember I had like though, the um, old master system that he found, and he used to have the old um, system that he magazines underneath the rock. And I put that on eBay, and though that went for massive amounts. I mean, just literally just it's about 10 pages of A4, moderately put together, some writing by Andrew Eldritch of the Sister Mercy. And yeah, people just snapping that up. And it's just like, the Sister Mercy haven't released a single, an album for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, like um, when I was in Paper Mail, I used to be writing for a magazine, and I still another guy who used to write called PBM Scroll, and he's a very good friend of mine. But it, they're worthless. Why are they worthless? Because the games aren't there today. They're not around yeah. today. They're gone. And so anything associated now, things like RuneQuest is still here. It's still here today. It's still popular. It's still there's a history to it. And so if you have an evergreen game, whether it's an RPG, a board game or whatever, it's an evergreen game, Then, and it's like 20 years old, then it's a history associated with that game. And therefore, things from the past are worth so much more money, aren't they? You know, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've got. I mean, the white, yeah, the um, the the return of like you know, the fifth edition of Vampire the Masquerade and Werewolf and so on, have kickstarted a mass kickstarted a massive renaissance for the World of Darkness games, where people are now kind of showing their uh, their library of World of Darkness games, shelves and shelves <laughs> of the old books from nineteen nineties, yeah. and they're going for massive amounts on eBay, like especially some of the more limited edition versions from Black oh, yeah, Dark yeah. Games, and just like yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I have a thing like so. I growing up in the eighties and um like growing up with games like Talisman and Hero Quest and Space yeah. Crusade and stuff like that. And, and what I, a terrible game Talisman is. Yeah, I don't know. Worst man. Monopoly. I, the grind. It is a grind, but grind. it's it's it's, it's a grind. It, it is, but like um and I've got um you know, I've got all the sort of kind of the, the newer fantasy flight ones before Sally, and then I've got the set I spent ages trying to get a full set. So I've got all the second edition, uh, which is the true that I know there's a first edition, but it's sort of 
um it's that the second edition is sort of the main one that you get what sort of second edition with the, all the expansions and the time uh the timescape one with the first space marines you, know, you get the first space marine and you can play them in talisman um but it's like the game's like really simple because it's literally just you roll you roll d6 you go around in a circle and you pick up stuff and it is it is a bit grindy but for a oh, six totally grindy but apparently the warhammer one the, the 40k one is probably one of the better ones apparently it's one of the better versions i i played it once but like again talisman for me is just you know it's simple and it's like there's not it's literally you there's no massive amount of rules you roll some dice you read what's on the card you read what's on the board and it's literally first person into the middle so it's a very it's kind of old school board game in a certain way you can't have the biggest expansions that come up me and my brother play it with all the expansions and stuff so it takes forever but you know it's 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 basic and if for a kid especially if you're getting into that sort of game yeah. you don't need to know a lot of rules because no all you need I, to... I agree i agree it's a great intro game yeah. it's really good because monopoly which is death by a thousand cuts yeah, yeah. i like to say but apart from the best monopoly game i've ever seen was with a bunch of world of warcraft players i'm a massive world of warcraft player <laughs> no. and, and, and 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 what they did was because of the world of warcraft monopoly and we used to do the tabletop zone and insomnia so we were very big at insomnia and, um, and and so forth, and and so we walked around. It went like, "Why are you rolling? Why are you you both left? You both what are you rolling dice for? Oh, we're we're having combat. What do you mean? It's Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, so if they land on the same square, if they land on like you you build a house there, PVP. you can fight not to pay your rent. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good idea, man. Brilliant. Yeah. Ah, okay. Now, that's a game of Monopoly I think I'd want to play. Yeah, World of Warcraft is... I, I was massively addicted to that game uh, when it first came out. Um, I played all the way into Lich King and then decided that it was ruining my life and I had to stop because it was literally every day, every hour of every day playing that game to the point it's like, I, I can't... I, 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 I missed it all. My daughter was born... My first daughter was born two months or a month before they launched World of, War, World of Warcraft. So I never got to play it. So when they relaunched Classic, I got into it, and now now they put this server called Hardcore. All right, yeah. So you die, you die. When you die, you die. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. You die. You're dead. No resurrection. No nothing. You're dead. That's it. You have to start another character. It's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I died four times, and now I'm up to like level four. 34 with my rogue and and it is so addictive uh, i couldn't do that i couldn't i couldn't do that at all i would really i've seen videos like on tiktok of stuff of people doing it in diablo where this guy was trying to explain um how, how, how hardcore is the best thing and blah 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 and he was at level like 99 or something he was about to tick over you really can go to level 60 or oh, diablo diablo yeah 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 and it, I, I, I i was I, maybe it wasn't whatever it was the, the unit cap whatever the the level cap was and he was going yeah. on about it and because he wasn't paying attention while he was playing he was talking away to the video he died in hardcore on the video and he went and that's why he cursed fucking shit and he kind of went absolutely mental because he got all the way to that point and died because he wasn't paying attention and i was like yeah i can i can do that yeah i would i would play it over again and then that would just ruin my life more so i stay away from <laughs> it i stay away from mmorpgs as much as i can i get sort of like what's yeah. the word like i met some amazing people like I, I it was a really good time when i did it but i found myself i was being bored in the game instead of being bored in real life and that's when i caught myself on because i was like flying oh, around yeah, flying yeah, around yeah. in my griffin and i'd rather be in the game doing nothing than 
outside trying to do something else and I was just like, I need yeah. to stop this man it's just sort of yeah. it's getting way too much for me oh, I can see how that gets addicted yeah 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 big time but anyway back to the back to the other point sort of like sort of nostalgia and old school games and stuff um like I'm I'm a mass like there's all these games like Hero Quest and Space Crusade especially like I really want to get the uh, Eldar attacks and the Mission Dreadnought and stuff for them but you can't get them that yeah. they're not they're like, they're worth hundreds of pounds if you want yeah. to get a good copy of them especially the same like Keller's Cape and um so the for Hero Quest you know if you want to get sort of the boxed sort of expansions which you probably had as a kid and then just didn't think about it and chucked away and stuff you know hundreds and hundreds of pounds and it's just like those are the wind so I've got those games but I will never play them so I've got a full set of of um Space Hulk um, with expansions. I'm not going to play that game. It's just like, I wanted that as a kid and I have it now yeah. and I've got all the expansions and it's just going to stay there. I've got a game, do you remember a game called Shogun? Which was like a yeah. risk. Yeah, again, like, so Shogun was like a risk. The first, it was like, what what Shogun Total War turned into as in the computer game, but obviously a board game. So I, I played that as a kid and I've got it and I don't think I'm ever going to play it, but I just like the fact that it was a game that I loved as a kid and I've got it. It's like all the talismans. So I've got all these little projects of things that, you know, I'll sell all the new games, uh, but the, like the old ones that I grew up on, it's just like, I need to get the thing for it. I need to get the other thing for it. And one day I'm going to have the whole set and they're all going to sit on the shelf. I'm never going to play them. I'm just going to be content that I've got those things. <laughs> you are a collector. <laughs> oh yeah, it's really bad. So oh, there's bad. two ways about it. It's, uh, it's catnip, isn't it? It really you is. I mean, it really um, is. And, and has turned into the biggest pre-order, you know, website. It's just, just a glorified pre-order site. Now, yeah, yeah. So. It's yeah. it's both good and bad. Like for me, I was thinking about this. It's like when I was growing up, there, you know, you didn't have the games came out now and again, so you would play those games and and you you could play them before another new one came out to distract you and stuff like that. So you know, I've got very fond memories of specific times when games came out so talisman hero quest space crusade um battle masters which was my first sort of kind of big warhammer not big sort of kind of you know it's big battle mat you got lots of guys love that game and it was like i've got specific times in my life where i remember playing those games because they came out after each other uh, but now because there's so many and um, because i've got technically technically have disposable income with all these different kickstarters coming in left right and center it gets to the point where like i like all the things but i can't i can't buy all the things and because i'm like i need the things it's like it stresses me out i get really stressed that i want that game but i also want that game if i don't get that game then i'm gonna be really upset and then this is gonna happen well, <laughs> it's well, really well, bad. well what people forget um matt is like if you if you you might not play the game, but if you if you now turn around and you look at that collection, you feel good. Uh, yeah, there, it, yeah, I do. You, I, you, you you have you have a moment of adrenaline rush. I do my 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 David Gemmell first edition books, right? Yeah, that's um, And I see that I see them there, and I've read them all. I've read them five, six times, maybe, and and therefore it conjures up memories for you. So it's not just about the plane of the game, but it's. It's how you know. You know, people go. You look at a painting, and like, it's just sit there. You've seen it a hundred times, and yet for some reason, that 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 evokes memories or evokes something within you. It conjures up something within you. And when you look at your shelf or your collection, and you see the artwork and you see everything else as well, it's almost like looking at a painting. You know, it might not be sat there, but it evokes memories, and it makes you feel good just looking at it. 
Yeah. I'd, so yeah. why shouldn't it sit on your shelf and look at it? Yeah, well, that's, I'd like, and I'm the same. Like, I buy, I'll buy like an audiobook so I can listen to it, and then I'll buy the physical hardback version so I can stick it on my shelf. So I got a lot of books that I will never pick up and read. Like, you know, I, they, they're just there because, you know, the artwork and just having them there is, is a, is a pretty thing. Um, but yeah, it, you do, I think, do you know what? It's, it's not as big a deal when it comes to board games, more so when I buy miniatures. If I buy yeah. too many of them, they aren't on display so it's like you know i buy a board game and they are they're on my shelves and i can look over and go oh, that's a cool looking game or one day i might bring that out to play that or you know at least i can see them physically they're there when you buy lots of toy soldiers and they're just sitting in boxes and you don't see them it stresses you out because you spent all this money you're not using them they're not even on display they're just there yeah, in a pile I, you mentioned about artworks. I'm going to Peter, if I don't mind, turn the tables and ask you a question because we had a big discussion and research on this. AI art, <laughs> AI art in the RPG arena and the, and the changes that AI art is now coming to the fro. I mean, you obviously talk to a lot of publishers out there and stuff as well. And from our research, the community is very anti-AI art. Um, and we were determined not to use AI art in any of our, in any of our stuff, which we haven't done. Um, but what's your, what's your kind of feeling on AI art? Because I think it's going to be here to stay, but I think it's got, it's got to be used responsible. So. Um, I was speaking to a few publishers at the UK Games Expo um, this year, and one publisher about AI art, and several said, no, we don't use AI art. However, one design artist I spoke, spoke to said, yes, I use AI art. I take some of my existing images and then use AI to modify it in such a way that I need it to fit in with the rest of the um layout so i could see it as being a useful tool for art but i still think using to actually create the original art will generally come up with something that is derivative i mean i was speaking about this at a as a generative ai conference um last month where basically by its vein ai is trained on what 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 so that is what it will it will create something that what was, it cannot essentially create something new. It was just something create something that is derivative. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's... So the when you're looking at like especially in journalism, journalism is like you know, it's the news. It's coming what's new. Yes. So you never get that. And so I think it's the same with art as well. Kind of like you know, it won't create something new. It'll just create something based well, well, on. Well, I was at, I was at an AI seminar. I mean, it was a legal guy there. There was a, a, a studio there. And what the guy from the studio says, you know, the, the appetite for the general public to consume content is growing. Yeah. You know, people are looking to consume content. Now, imagine if somebody came to me and said, draw me a, you'd say to an artist, draw me a skyscraper. Now, what the artist would do is look at maybe 12 or 20 different skyscrapers and take um, the, maybe the best in his mind um, to create the skyscraper. So he'll take, bits from from other skyscraper images he's done so what they were saying is well to use ai responsible ai would go and it would automatically scan and come back with something from those 20 skyscrapers the artist would then need to make that creation their own they would need to change things they would need to um they would need to kind of go things because there was a big big uh, case at the minute where somebody reused a getty image and 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 they knew it was because the 
Ketty's logo was still in the yeah, image. Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and so, you know, that was not, that's not responsible, you know. So about using responsible art, and, and what they're saying is, is that, you know, him as a studio can't afford to buy, the, you know, to, to keep up with the, the consumption that, that, that people want for content. He can't keep it up. So using our technology to create ideas but then utilizing ideas and making those ideas their own um, and to personalize that, that idea, he said, would, you know, would make it very cost effective. And so I think, I think IR needs to be used uh, kind of responsible, but, but back as a savvy, they can see IR from a yeah, mile away. So. But I think it's, it, it's with AI, like I use, uh, we're starting to use a lot of work, um, but we're, cl- we're using our, own, we're developing our own, so we're not, because the issue you have with, um, especially open source AI is that it can go rogue and it can make stuff yeah. up and it sort hallucinate. of hallucinate. Hallucinate. It'll hallucinate. Um, like there's the example of like, I work in law and, um, they were looking for specific case law um, for an event. And I can't remember exactly what it was. And they got case law back. The AI came back with case law. And um, the paralegals started looking through to find what that case law was. And they couldn't find it. And then somebody picked up that what it had done is it had taken one part of case law and another part of case law and then jammed them together. But it done it so like well that people haven't picked up it wasn't actually a piece of case law it made it up it made it made up a legal precedent to sort of deal with a situation and then an email went round work and stuff saying yeah you're not allowed to do this you know this 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 could go very badly if people do yeah. this um and it's like it's the same with the art like you said the artwork so it takes influences from other people and then it can jam it together and make something with a getty image in it so it's 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 like it's theft in a certain weird way so what you were saying about it being an inspiration something you use as an inspiration to sort of to feed off i think a foundation yeah exactly and that like for our dnd campaign um I I've used it quite a lot now, but it's like it's not good at writing stuff like I want it to. But it's very good at giving me. I say right, I want this, 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 and this to happen. It'll give me a list of stuff, and I can go right. I can feed off that, and I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this, and make it more sort of kind of how it should be. But it's a good yeah. tool. It shouldn't be something that is. It shouldn't be something you use for everything. It shouldn't create the art. It should give you the idea for the art or give you a foundation for it. But it shouldn't be the thing that creates it. Um, One, because I don't think it's... Well, currently, I don't think it's got the ability to do things well. Um, Well, what's the word? I think it's sort of... it, it it doesn't sort of it, it's taking from other people I, you, you, it has to learn from somewhere so it's taking that from somewhere else as yeah, you have to, yeah so you have to be very careful absolutely. with that um but um yeah it, it's it is the future and it's something that's going to become a thing if people like it or not it's like the industrial yeah. revolution i said this in work um you know there's a lot of people here sort of hitting against it and it's like it's going to happen and you know you either get on board with the new industrial revolution or the technological yeah. revolution and sort of be a part of it or you get left behind and 
that's it. And as much as it, you just have to sort of make the best of what it is, uh, it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting in its own way. Like you know, it's a, it's opening up so many different avenues and different things. And you know, who knows? We may all well, sort the of the people that are opposed to it go realize that they're also part of the problem, and that's why that was a hit home through this what this studio was talking about the, the desire to consume. <laughs> You know, we are we are a, a, a massive digital age. You know that we're moving, and 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 digital content is becoming more and more prevalent. But yeah, 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 yeah. Thank yeah. you very much for that. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, but I, when I come, you know, if you're, I don't know, how do you, when it comes to art, when it comes to, because my sister's an artist, um, and. You know, she works very hard and, you know, she doesn't make, you know, when she sells something, she make, you know, when she sells a piece, she can make a, a fair bit of money, but then she doesn't make some a money for ages and stuff because, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a taxing, um, arts, art form. Um, it's what's called Fiverr. That's why I find my artist. Fiverr, yeah. Well, Honestly, yeah. I never, I, you know, I've learned so much and I, I, I've got a voiceover artist from Fiverr. I got, um, I've got this artist that I found and I narrowed down from 20 to, eventually to like four four artists and eventually picked this this particular artist who did all my artwork and she's so cost effective it's so hard working and all of our art from FIFA is just I mean I wouldn't tell you what I paid for it but you know it was a, a you know a quarter of what my actual I, I thought my budget was going to be for the artwork and it is absolutely outstanding and so you know FIFA is just uh, I, I, you know, I find well, you know if you look at the video when we done like well, somebody said it's Joe Brand as Lord of the Rings, she's amazing, you know. And I got this voiceover artist with with internet rights and stuff for less than four hundred quid, and it's absolutely brilliant, you know. And so um, there's so much talent out there, and it's like this global market um, out there. But you've just got to. You've just got to, like anything else, do your homework, yeah. And uh, yeah. and and don't just pick up the first one, you know. I so said we, I went down from twenty, and it was very obvious. This guy was super cheap, and I was going like, I don't, you know, because I went down and then I asked everybody to use AI art, and one guy went, well, yes, I do. I can't, I can't do an image for twenty quid without AI art. He said, but then I'm not interested. Then you know, buy your art, you're off my list. Um, but yeah, so FIFO was was a, was a real kind of eye opener. Really. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, like, a there's a lot of these sort of they say they they're AI artists, and it's all about the prompts. Because I can sort of see a, I can see an, an argument for it in certain ways because, especially you know, doing prompting AI to do specific things is a, is an art form in its own way because you can't. It's, just, a, it's effectively coding it. You yeah, can, you are yeah, coding. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you can sort of you know yeah. uh, from the basic stuff that I do. Uh, yeah, I've I've watched loads of videos on it, and you know you can get it to do coding for you. There's a guy who created a platform game on it with no coding knowledge whatsoever, just because he was quite apt at uh, prompting. So he he would sort yeah. of prompt it different things and go back and forth, and then sort of it effectively created this game for him. Um, and he sort of gave it the ideas and stuff, and it was just through prompting and stuff. So I suppose in a way, if you can. If the artwork is all your prompts and the art itself is not taken from anybody else's art, then I don't see any issue with it. I don't see, like, yeah. you know, there's inspiration. Like you said, you know, the computer is literally, you're going to look at different, and, you know, you, you can see similarity. People take inspiration from um, from other 
uh, other people and stuff like um you know like one of the one of the ga- one of the people in your in your on your work so it looks like uh the, oh, what's the he's the guy who plays Kyle Ren um from what's Adam Driver yeah he looks a bit like Adam Driver he does. yeah he, he looks does. a bit like Adam Driver that's Dr- one of the ones where we're going to be giving away <laughs> yeah he looks a bit like uh, Adam Driver I mean bizarrely because somebody says that the, the Arabella looks a bit like um, Anne Hathaway I was going to say we, that we, yeah it looks a bit like Anne Hathaway yeah. I, I get the Adam Driver bit I mean it was not intentional um, and we've had a few comments about that so we, that, that, that we will change that um, when actually one of the competitions or pledges we'll be giving away will be will be for, for, for the count um Hannah Hathaway kind of get a little bit, and then somebody said the inspector looks like Jude Law, and we were going like, "Nah, bro, there's, that an, there's not the guy. Look like Jude Law. He's the guy who played uh, Moriarty. The guy who looks like Moriarty uh, played Moriarty yeah. in the films. Uh, he plays yeah, King, yeah. he plays King George in The Crown as yeah. well. I think he's the guy with the mustache and stuff. But the thing is, it's not. It's you're taking you take inspiration. Everybody's going to see something. Yeah, yeah you, you, you take inspiration. The, the, the guy the, on Game Fan when I was pitching, he went, "Well, I mean, he said anything would do with Keanu Reeves." Keanu Reeves. <laughs> going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he thinks that Adam Driver's Keanu Reeves. Oh, right, okay, well, no, no. Like, whatever. As long as I can have your money, you, know, you can look at what you want. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, you take um, you take your inspiration from things you're going to do. Like when yeah, I, I, one of yeah. the art books I remember growing up with, and it was showing like it was like a fantasy art book, but it showed where it got the inspiration for each part of it, and it was like this was a tree, and this was this, and it sort of it's all about sort of using that inspiration to create something it's not that like all artists you 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 know you're not it's not coming from nowhere it's coming from an image that they have you know from you know the the real world so as long as you're not you know taking actually taking other people's arts you know you can take inspiration from and like that that's what the prompts and stuff are then i don't see that yeah. i don't see that as an issue because that is you it's like it's like yeah. writing it's like anything you take inspiration from things and you make Absolutely. it you make it your own and it's the same principle uh, it's just like if it's just out and out theft where it's taking that image from somebody else plagiarized then that's where the that's where the sort of kind of issue comes from um, Matt, yeah. I, I'm gonna, I, I might lose you in a minute because my headphones are bleeping at me, so they might be running out of power in a minute. Okay. Uh, so, Matt, you've access an Allies fan, World War Two fan. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you played, and this is my all-time favourite game, have you ever played Quartermaster General? No, I've heard of it, but I've never played it. I've never played it. Losing you. Best, best World War Two game. Blows access Allies out of the water. There's, oh. no, there's no dice in it. There's no compass or card-driven. And it's six players. And if you play Fog of War, it is the best because every game is different. Every single game is different, um, and it like it could like your World War Two theatre in an hour, hour and a half. It is just the best. Quartermaster ever. General, okay. Quartermaster General, second edition because Ares took over the second edition, and um, and the World War Two edition. Six players. You get six players. To be honest with you, it's not very good if you don't play six players because you play Fog of War. You cannot discuss. What is in your hand? Oh, and you have to hope. You have to hope, right? That you know, if you're playing Germany and Italy, and Italy should be supporting the Germans, like you have to take Western France. Like you open the barrel, your cards give you. <laughs> Go on, Italy. Like Italy, do your thing. Do your thing, but you can't discuss it. You're not allowed to discuss it. You're not allowed to discuss tactics with, uh, with your because it's it's a cooperative three versus three game. So Germany, Italy, and Japan against America, UK, and all oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, guys! If you like your things like Axis and all those and stuff, those totally different. But the the, the thematic thematically is amazing. It kind of reminds and, me uh, of uh, diplomacy. Like I used to play diplomacy as a kid, and uh, oh I, yeah, yeah, well, diplomacy was just. 
brute. Just yeah, oh yeah. Diplomacy like, is risk on crack. Oh yeah. yeah I mean, you have to write your really orders is. down. I remember playing it. Um, I remember playing it as a kid with my dad and my uncle. My dad and yeah. my uncle are like me and my brother, like very competitive yeah. with the games. My uncle yeah. was in the army and stuff. And I remember I was on my dad's. No, I, I was. There was no teams. It was like we're doing this, but my 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 dad managed to persuade me to stab my uncle in the back <laughs> and sort of like you know attack him, and he was not impressed in any way, shape, or form. But I just remember like you had to write your orders down, and then you had to go off into another room and discuss things with other people and stuff. So yeah, you had that. To, I used to love that. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Fantastic. I know. I love it. I mean, despite it being luck based in terms of the dice, I used to love risk. Oh, yeah. some risky things, you know, with my mates. It was just. Just, never, just I stuff. never won a game of risk because everybody, everybody beats me up. Everybody has a go at me. <laughs> That's a, I... a, a classic story. So a friend of ours, uh, his name is Dom, and uh, basically we said, right, let's play risk, Dom. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I've never lost a game of risk. So we're all going, look at each other, right? He's going down. He's going down. We go, we're taking him down. Never lost a game of risk. Brilliant. <laughs> so boys, how do I play? <laughs> <laughs> Man, have you? Have you played? Um, have you played Axis? You know, zombies is a bit of a trope. Have you ever played Axis on Ally Zombies? It's acts surprisingly really good. Like I had this big thing about like I am not gonna like I I don't like when they just jam zombies into everything. But it takes like it takes the Axis and Allies like thing and it, it it makes it from being a game of fighting, you know, thinking about how you're going to deal with each other to sort of how you're going to deal with each other and then not get overrun by zombies because the basically zombie outbreaks just happen and every time you lose an infantryman, it turns into a zombie and the other player can use the zombies to attack you and stuff like that. And every time you lose battles, more zombies turn up. So that it turns out there's like two or three zombies on the map and then outbreaks happen and then suddenly by the very end of it, the whole map's surrounded in zombies and it's just about how many territories you own and that's the winner of the game. It's a completely different way to play it and it's Very so good. It's really good. Really good. Really good. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, um, I, I could literally speak war games and, and old school <laughs> games with you like, forever because like, you know, it's definitely my jam, but uh, I'll not keep you for too much longer. Um, we generally sort of, uh, by all means, you don't have to do this, but we do a, um, we do like a little pop quiz type thing at the end. It's sort of like a 20 questions sort of thing. You pick a... Absolutely far away. Love it. Yeah, we do. It's So basically, it's just a, it's like a, it's like a franchise. So you pick a franchise, you pick a character from a franchise you like, and then we have to, uh, we'll all do it. Then we all have to basically guess who that character is. So, you know, you could pick Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or, or um, you know, Star Trek or whatever's, whatever's your thing. Obviously something that maybe we'll be able to guess. So nothing really obscure, Peter. Because sure. uh, <laughs> Pete does one of two things. It's either super obscure and nobody knows what the hell it is. It's some old comic book from like the 1980s that nobody's ever seen. I've got somebody. (laughs) Right. Okay. So um, let me get my little stop clock um, ready then. We'll do this. So, uh, right. So what's your franchise? What what are we, what are we guessing? Uh, Fantasy. So uh, yeah, but what sort? Of, so we need the specific franchise. So we can, is it is it like Lord of the Rings? Is it you know? Oh, um, oh god! Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time. I know nothing about Wheel of Time. 
Sorry, it's only because I was watching it with the penultimate episode uh, of the, right, the second not... edition from that. Is that any good? No, no, neither of us have seen it, unfortunately. So that's a fail. Have you got anything else? That's a fail, you that... fail. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a fail. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll, think, we'll think of something we'll well, think of something else. Uh we'll uh we'll we'll think so about it. I've got to pick a character from a franchise and you've got to guess what character. Yeah, you gotta pick a character. So you know, if you're if there's you know, if you're not into lots of things and it's it's I'm into so many different things. The, the problem is, it's like nothing about what I'm into, but you know, it's what it's what I'm not into. Um, <laughs> so there we go. So that's it. You 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 pick a franchise, and I will pick a character. How about that then? What do you know? Okay, we will. Um, well, we'll do an example. Have you got an example, Pete? Have you got one that you can think of? Um, yeah, I've got one um, because we're talking about like '90s goth and all that and World Darkness. I've got the Crow film. Oh God, it's been a while since I've seen The Crow. I'm not oh, going to remember. Just... I am not going to remember. No, I'm not going to remember anything about The Crow. Oh, the, no, the names. I, I, could, okay. I, I mean, you think we're the time. At least that's modern. At least it's up to date, guys. Yeah, Pete. Like, like you know, TV there you go. Like I've seen yeah. The Crow many moons ago, but it's not something I'm sort of. You need something a bit more. You've, you know this. You know the format, man. I do. You've been, you've been doing this for for years now. Yeah, We've been on a year, years <laughs> now. Terrible quiz. Yes, format. You're gonna do format. There we go. Right. Okay. We go. We go. I know. We go. We go. Marvel. Marvel. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. So Marvel. Sixty seconds. Go. Uh, is it? They do have their own film. Yes. Um, are they a superhero? Yes. Are they male? Yes. Um, so Marvel... Are, this, okay. have the, are, are they human? Yes. Okay. Do they rely on technology? No. Do they have superpowers? Yes. Are uh, they mystical superpowers? Magical? No. Um, <laughs> are, are, they, are they green? Yes. <laughs> the Hulk? Yes! <laughs> Very good. 39 seconds. Yes, that's... Right up for the winner. Um, okay. Um, Pete. We, we took about 10 minutes to discover which... which, which, which <laughs> but it always ends up... You get, you, you, get the, you get the really basic ones and stuff. Every now and again, you sort of... You know, you might get something a bit more... Uh, Pete. Um, um, good, yeah. Ghostbusters. Ooh, Ghostbusters! Oh, how about Ghostbusters? Well, I don't think because, we've had, I don't think we've ever had Ghostbusters. Uh, well, we have had the um, trailer for well teaser trailer for. This looks really good. Uh, Frozen Empire, which yeah. looks so good. Okay, it uh, basically looks like the day after tomorrow meets um, at the Mountains of Madness, but yeah, both are fine. Okay, Ghostbusters, uh, sixty seconds go. Um, are they part of the original two films? Yes. Um, are they a Ghostbuster? Not directly. Are they... Um, okay, right. Are they female? Yeah. Yes. Sigourney Weaver, whatever. Sigourney Weaver? No. no. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Do, do they say, we got one! We do indeed. <laughs> oh, what's her name? Oh, what's her name? Um, what's oh, her name? What is her name? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my god, what's her name? I don't know, you tell me, I'm, that's what I'm asking. Oh fuck! Don't look at me, I'm out. Oh I'm out. shit! <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, there. Never sit her. 
just said it. <laughs> 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 Fuck. Just put him out of his misery, Pete. It's like Janine or something, isn't it? Or hey, you just said it. Janine. Janine. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> Yay! Okay, right on the one minute mark. <laughs> there you go. All right, nice. Oh, brilliant. Okay. All right, my one. Um, ooh, uh, my go-tos are generally Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. You, oh, one of, which one would you prefer, Nige? Which, which one? Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's good. Nice. Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, we are Only going... Only because I pitch Lord of the Rings in my, in my sales pitch about fulfillment all the time. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to go for... Am I going... I've gone through a lot of characters in Lord of the Rings in the past, so we're going to have one we haven't used. We are going to go for... Nobody who's going to be too obscure. Thank goodness. Uh, um, we are going to go for, um, okay, yeah, it's re- yeah, relatively easy, I think. Okay, so Lord of the Rings, sixty seconds, go. Are you good or bad? Uh, he is good. Are you in the films? Uh, he is in the films. Male. Uh yes. Are you in the first film? Uh no. Are you human? Yes. Are you in the second film? Yes. And the third film? Yes. Okay. That's what that was that Sean Bean. Are you are you a king? I am not a king. Are you from uh Rohan? I am not Rohi I am not a Rohirrim. Are you from Gondor? I am a Gondorian. Are you Faramir? Yeah, oh, wow! Whew. I am Faramir. 41 seconds. Nice. Very good. All right, yeah. There you go. Here we go. Right. right very good. I thought, I thought uh, and i tell you why, I went, if I was going to pick a good character that was kind of, not a main character, but kind of a skill, I'd go Faramir. So I was going like, no, surely. I've yeah. Just, well, I, I, is, wouldn't, I couldn't just steal your thunder too much. For I, have, I have done ones. I have done sort of like a really obscure ones from the books and stuff like that. And, um, yeah. you know, we've had sort of uh, Durin's Bane at one point in time and sort of, you know, things like that. But, uh, Generally, you have to be a real sort of. What do you think of the new series? I I I think it's not. It's not not terrible. It's not terrible. It was watchable. I enjoyed it. Um, having read the Silmarillion and stuff, um, I I I knew that that was going to be Melkor. Um, pretty early. Oh, sorry, sorry, not Melkor. Melkor's the the main guy. Uh, Saruman, pretty early on. But um, yeah, I, I, it was good, and I'm looking forward to that. Though the only sort of annoying thing is that um, what's what's his name? So basically, Isildur, um, not Isildur, hits the sun. Um, oh my! Oh my God! Names have gone completely. My mind's gone blank. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. there's basically the two: the found, the find, the Gondor and Anor. Uh, yeah. And the founder of Anor is male, and I don't understand why, because again, names have completely gone from my head. But they've made it female. I don't understand why they've done that. It didn't make. It doesn't really make any sense uh, at all. It's not like being sexist and going, "Oh, they made it a girl." It's just like, but I don't. 
you have this character in the I don't understand why you would have her as a female foundation. My, my, my only my only criticism and I saw a video about how disaster is gonna be. My only criticism is that, you know, I think they can take advantage of the law because it's very based on the on the stuff out there. But the men of Numenor the men of Numenor are these giants of men. Do you know what I mean? Seven, eight foot tall, you know, built like brick houses, you know. And there's not and, and then you have a look at things like the Witcher and stuff, which have got men of Numenor <laughs> proliferating through the whole bloody dick, <laughs> and yet they can't have any sort of like you, you could you could think you'd have a few like you know British actors that would actually display what that powerful the men of Numenor. Yeah, were. yeah, yeah. But only by, I think they played it. I think they played the Saruman perfectly. Yeah, Not yeah. Saruman, Sauron. I think they played it perfectly. Mm. Um, I like the what they've done with Gabrielle. I think she she had to have a, an edge to her. Yeah. Yes, I mean swimming like four oceans across. That la- I laughed my head off so much. Yeah, at that but point. there are some laughable moments. But but I just can't get out of my head that the, the men of Numenor like you know they got all this fortune and yet like the witch has got a fraction of. It, and yet they've done a better job of you know getting yeah. a big actor in that would display how powerful the men of Numenor were. That's it's my very, only annoyance. It's very pretty. It is a very pretty yeah, series, beautiful, and beautiful. it's got it has some good edge to it. And I think um, I think over time it can only get better. Um, but, but honestly, guys, Wheel of Time. We, I mean, it's the first series of Wheel of Time was a bit where the hell does it go? But they brought it back around the second series, okay. and the characters got some serious edge to them. I mean, it's twelve books long. You know, people will ever get to read it, but I mean, it is. I mean, the second series it's got such an edge to it. So good. Did you? Uh, it's one that we always recommend to anybody. Did you ever watch um, The Expanse? Yes. Oh. Love, I love I've lots about the expanse. It's just a, such a fantastic job. And they get the science of space correct. Yeah, science of space, edgy, brilliant plot lines. Yeah, yeah. Don't know where it's kind of going to go. Absolutely, the expanse is fantastic. Yeah, really good. What's what's really his good. name? Um, the, the engineer. Uh, Amos. Yeah, Amos he's person. such a good character. He's so oh, yeah. good. Brilliant. So uh, good. I once wrote a three thousand word essay about the psychology <laughs> of Amos Burton. Yeah, but that's the problem. That you look at because um, I'm massive. I, I I read fantasy. That's what I that's what I read. I read fantasy. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, um, I hadn't read because I've watched it on Netflix, which is Shadow and Bone. And, oh, um, yeah. I mean, what a series! I mean, absolutely fantastic. You know, one of the, you know, the better fantasy series on Netflix. Absolutely brilliant. Um, great plot, great characters. And I picked up the follow-on books and works for three quid each uh, the other day. It was absolutely brilliant. But um, yeah, that, that was that's yeah. Good. Well, if I watched uh, Shadow and Bone, and the premise is great, but we found the characters weren't that brilliantly written. I mean. I found Kez and in and in our um, that the, the the gang of thieves much more interesting. Oh yeah, Probably. than the um, than I, the key I think, characters. I think, I think they married each other off really really well. I think if it was just those two characters, there would be mm. but because they introduced those that, that Kez and his gang, yeah, just and they wrote and they orbited each other so well. Really good. Yeah, it was like two different plots. If you like your yeah. fantasy, do you have you read any of the Joe Abercrombie First Law books? Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Oh it's man, ab- it's brutal. Yeah, absolutely it's, brutal. It's I, brutally brutal. My, my boss got me onto them, and like I remember reading the first one, and I was like, I just don't know if I'm going to get this. And then like there's ni- ninth book later, really which just came out. I was just like, that was absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely, yeah, really. Clever. It's just like. Um, 
edge to it. And it's just sort of like, you know, just the whole thing. It's just like, it. it's not even, It's like, it's got the edge of sort of Game of Thrones thing where the good things do not happen. You know, it's like you, you think good things are going to happen and they do not happen. It, it's one of the best books of sheer brilliant manipulation yeah, that I've yeah. ever read. Yeah, big time. Yeah, brilliant manipulation on <coughs> um, a, a, a grand scale. It's fantastic. The wizard, so, yeah. um, fuck, what's his name? Um, Terrible Bi- Biaz, 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 yeah. the wizard is absolutely, he is so good. The way he develops throughout all the books and how he appears, it's just like, he's amazing because you, you have that view of him on what he is at the start and then there's the view on him what he is at the end and you're just like, just, oh my God, phenomenal. Yeah, as I say, the best book of the manipulation that I've ever read. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, so really good. good. Well uh, but my, my favourite my favorite author, I'm just going to put him out there if you haven't read him, is an author called Stephen Erickson, the yeah. Tales, Tales of the Manners of Empire, 10 tomes, but oh my God god i mean i've read them four times and they're just out of this world but yeah yeah give them a whirl right well it's again we could probably talk about oh it's a good night i was looking at your podcast going on like normally i do a podcast that lasts like an hour and 10 minutes as well and i'm told when you went for you know whatever it was like two and a half hours my god surely not but yeah but we're geeks aren't we and um, and we can talk we we, we're we're fine kindred spirits and you you (laughs) talk about your passion and your enthusiasm yeah and um, and, and what you love, and um, yeah, we could talk all night. So, we could, uh, yeah. but yes, yeah, so we, we'll, we'll leave it there. So um, the uh, Halloween Halloween night uh, coming, Halloween night coming to Kickstarter soon. Uh, GameFound, it's on, on GameFound now, so it's not launched. We're launching on, but the draft page is up. You can sign up, you can follow it, or you could go to our webpage, mysteryadventuregames.com, um, or go to GameFound and search for Halloween Night, and you can follow our campaign. If you, if you, if you, do, if you do follow it on GameFound, um, but then you'll also get a free gift, which is uh, which would be a, a, um, a uh, an art print um, if you then do back the game plus an entry um, to get your face in the game. But as long as the, the pre-launch page and stuff is um, with, with all the videos and art and stuff is already on Game Pants. So. Amazing. All right. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you very oh, much for joining brilliant. us. Thank yeah, you very really much enjoyable. For me. And um, yeah, so um, and please be nice. And please, if you've received a package from Games Quest, and you've enjoyed it, and it's come perfectly wrapped, please, why not? Hey, go a good, a good, a leave, good review. a positive review out there. A, a good review. A positive one out I feel there. like I need to give one now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There. I've had so many over the years, I feel like I need to do it. Just, you've you know. had loads off me. Like, yeah, I really have. Um, but, um, and you have had loads off me. Peter, leave yeah. a positive review. Okay. Um, but yes, so uh, for tonight, I've been Matt Geary. With me has been Peter Ray Allison. Good night, everyone. And our special guest, Nigel Matthews. Good night, everybody. Good night, Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.